Hey everyone, welcome back to the Project Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. I have a really special guest joining us. Her name is Janelle Cook. She is a licensed midwife and we are just going to chat all things midwifery today. Um, thanks for joining us, Janelle. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. First, I just want to hear a little bit about you, yourself, how you became a midwife and kind of your journey into this field. Okay, um, let's see. So I have been a nurse for 14 years. I went to Biola and got my bachelor's in nursing there, graduated in 2008. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to nursing school thinking that I wanted to do labor and delivery and really like possibly go into midwifery at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, oh gosh, long story short, I basically got talked out of it because I came from a... A generation of professors that all felt that it's very important as a nurse to go into med surge first or something else to kind of get your feet wet and get your skills under you and then go into something specialized. Little did they know that I was graduating at a time where, <clears throat> excuse me, hospitals really wanted, um, like they just want you to go straight into a specialty so that they can train you in their new grad program for a year and like get you just you know, solid in that specialty. And so it's really hard to transition from being somewhere more generalized to a specialty these days, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I actually ended up in hospice for about 10 years. And wow, the complete opposite of what you're doing now. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was interesting as I got pregnant and was having my own kids, I knew that I didn't fully agree with the medical model and, you know, hospital birthing and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of some miscarriages and other struggles I had, my husband felt very clear (laughs) that we should, you know, be at a hospital for Mm -hmm. our first birth. So Mm -hmm. I hired a doula and that was really great. And um, kind of almost as a test run, like, well, maybe I should just be a doula. You know, if Mm -hmm. I can't get my foot in the door as a labor and delivery nurse, maybe I should be a doula and, you know, be involved in birth that way. Mm -hmm. And then... um, as I started to do that, I felt like my hands were tied because I was so used to the scope of practice that I had as a nurse. And it's very different than the scope of practice for a doula who's, yeah. you know, more of a support person than right. someone who can make clinical decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, so that kind of led me down a path as I got pregnant with the second one and we hired a midwife and had a home birth and, you know, really talked to her. Every appointment was more about like, (laughs) how do I become a midwife and what do I do than like my actual pregnancy and my baby. It was more of like a nine month interview process (laughs) for do I want to do this? Um, And it just was so clear that it was what I was supposed to do. And then, um, I really didn't anticipate that it was going to be something I would do until my kids were much older. Mm -hmm. And when they were three and 18 months, God just really opened a door and um, I found myself in school after I found something in the garage from my mom who saves everything. Um, Love moms. Right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) She, She gave me this box of projects from elementary school and we had one of those posters from Mm. first grade that you know your student of the week and what do you want to do when you grow up what's your favorite color your favorite food and in my little first grade handwriting said I want to be a baby deliverer oh my gosh and And like okay 
I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done like trying to figure this out. I'm done fighting it. I'm done saying in 10 years when my kids are teenagers, when they're out of the house, when they're yeah. whatever, it just yeah. was clear that it was time. So I went to school and became a licensed midwife. That's so cool. So here what I am. What did schooling <laughs> look like for you? What was that process like? So that process was a little bit interesting for me because I was already a registered nurse with mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree. And so there's two routes to midwifery, not in all states, but in California, we have two routes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be a certified nurse midwife or a licensed midwife. And as a licensed midwife, you really only need a high school diploma to go through a program. And, you know, it's a minimum of two years. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've heard, most people don't actually finish it in that time frame. Mm-hmm. But I think because I a, am just a very motivated person mm-hmm. <laughs> and B, already had quite a bit under my belt with all of the classes I had from nursing school and yeah. was able to kind of transfer some things in. Nice. Um, I was able to knock that out. So I got all of the like the classwork done in under the two years, but it's a minimum two years of clinical time that you have to have got working it. under another midwife as, you know, their apprentice. And it's, it's a really great way of doing it. It's, you know, it's all very community based. You're working, you know, in the community that you intend to serve. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, not like bouncing around to different hospitals and all of that kind of stuff like I was used to with nursing school. So that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the option of going through a nurse midwifery program and that's a master's degree program. And you, you know, you have the option as a nurse midwife to have hospital privileges and you can prescribe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because of the way that the laws are, nurse midwives at the time that I started school, this has changed since then, mm-hmm. but at the time, nurse midwives required physician supervision. Because oh. the Board of Nursing governs nurse midwives, and okay. the Board of Nursing says nurses need physician supervision. But licensed midwives are licensed by the medical board, okay. same as doctors. So yeah. the medical board does not require supervision. <laughs> supervision. And so um, when I was looking at that and talking to different people in the field, it was clear that there really wasn't a good legal way for me to do home births, which mm-hmm. was something that I knew I wanted to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that even to do birth centers, you still kind of required this added piece where you had to have an OB kind of on your team in some mm-hmm. way. And mm-hmm. that just makes things a little bit more medical than yeah. I knew I probably wanted them to be. Yeah. And you can't quite, you know, make the same types of decisions mm-hmm. that you might want to make or your clients right. can't make those same types of decisions that they might want to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if they do, there's a little more pushback and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a completely different style of education. Yeah. So, um, so I went the licensed midwife route. Okay. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about the differences between a home birth, having a birth at a birth center, and then hospitals? What would you say are like the biggest differences between those three? Is there one you prefer more than the other? Kind of walk us through that a little bit. Hmm. I think if I was to say I prefer one over the other, it would be honestly for kind of selfish reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Which is okay. Um, the birth center is nice because it's your space. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we have a couple of birth rooms. If I have two moms in labor at once, mm-hmm. they, you know, we can have that. Whereas if I'm at someone's house and someone else goes into labor, I need to, you know, 
phone a friend. Yeah, that's stressful. <laughs> you know, and find a backup, which it doesn't usually happen. But yeah. um, if it does, you know, it creates a little added stress. And there is something different about just being in someone else's space. Sure. And, you know, there's a, a level of expertise that they're expecting you to bring to the table. But there's also... Um, you know, something that I got very used to being mm-hmm. in hospice, which mm-hmm. I think is great. You know, yeah. I did that for so long and was able to get comfortable with being in different places and in other people's homes mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with really difficult situations and difficult conversations and family dynamics and all kinds of things. But, you know, at the birth center, I can say, sorry, it's only you and your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe one person or something. Whereas at home, they can invite 15 people if they want to (laughs) I don't recommend it but you know there's just different aspects you know their pets are there there's um you know just different different people clean their houses differently and like there's all different kinds of things that can make something a little more like how do we think on our feet right now Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. scenario where um you know Mm -hmm. in other scenarios we know where everything's at yeah that's true you know so but we do a lot of home visits and kind mm-hmm. of get more comfortable in the space and mm-hmm. all of that. So that said, you know, there also is just something really beautiful about being in someone's home and letting mm-hmm. them experience mm-hmm. the fullness of this birth experience in their space. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I think that also like how the birth center might be a little more comfortable for me, their home is probably more comfortable for them. Yeah. And so that lends itself to a totally different experience right. for them as well. Yeah. You know, so I think for the client's sake, mm-hmm. a home birth mm-hmm. is probably yeah, the best. But, okay. you know, the birth centers closer to the hospital. So mm-hmm. some people feel mm-hmm. a lot safer at the birth center. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, of course, you live right next to a hospital. Right. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of the same okay. as far as the experience mm-hmm. and what we mm-hmm. allow mm-hmm. or don't allow or, you know, the yeah. reasons we might transfer, right. you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, of course, you live really far from a hospital, mm-hmm. we might be a little more cautious on our window of, mm, I'm yeah. starting yeah. to see some red flags. We should yeah. probably go now mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. when we're five minutes away, we might have a little more time to maybe let's see if this resolves. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You talked a little bit about things that you can and can't do at home versus a hospital. What are what are those kinds of things that you are alluding to? Um, well, it really depends on the hospital and their policies and and really their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is something that I run into all the time um, that kind of drives me crazy. It's like my little pet peeve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have Every, them. Everybody <laughs> wants to find the best doctor for them. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you have a scenario where you have a breech baby and you still want to try to deliver vaginally or twins or, um, you know, you're trying to do a VBAC or, you know, something Mm -hmm. very specific like that, Mm -hmm. that some OBs will do and some OBs won't do, then that's different. Mm -hmm. But in general, if you're normal and healthy, you know, this emphasis on trying to find the perfect doctor that's going to do everything you want. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost a moot point because they're not present right. at the hospital. Yeah. They have a set of standing orders mm-hmm. that they give to the nurses mm-hmm. so that they don't have to be called all night long, mm-hmm. which is completely understandable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, if this is happening, then do that. If this is happening, then do that. Mm-hmm. And the nurses have, you know, those standing orders to follow and it's a pretty simple protocol. Yeah. And that way 
you know, if you want an epidural, you can have one. If you don't and you want these drugs, you can mm-hmm. have them. Right. Um, you know, and so that said, it really is just luck of the draw with what mm-hmm. nurse you get. Yeah. Because the nurses yeah. are the ones that are with you and caring for you the yeah. whole time and depending on what their philosophy on birth is and their perspective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was working labor and delivery, I had a mom that came in that she didn't want any drugs. She didn't want anything. And um, I was kind of new at that hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know all of the policies quite yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking, gosh, normally at the birth center, we'd be getting this person into the shower or into the birthing tub or right. something like for pain relief right now. Yeah. And the room had a shower in it. Yeah. You know, so I ran out and asked the charge nurse, hey, can we throw her in the shower? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And Why she was not? like, yeah, you can. <laughs> We don't usually, but you can. I guess. <laughs> and so everyone funny. looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? You're getting her in the shower? Why? Yeah. You know, to just offer her some drugs, you know? And I was like, but she doesn't want any, yeah. so I'm not even going to ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's different, too, where you might get someone who's constantly, you sure you don't want this? Right. You might feel better because they don't maybe have an, another idea of how to do things. Right. Because... That's not what they're used to. Yeah. And then the patient ends up feeling pressured and doesn't know that they can advocate for themselves in that way too. Right. Is that something you feel like you saw a lot in the hospital setting? Oh my gosh. All the time. Yeah. I think that then, and the number one thing that I saw honestly was just, it's almost like there's a schedule Mm -hmm. and, you know, we need to get this done by a certain time. We had certain doctors that, you know, this, and this is not true of all OBs, of course, but, you know, certain ones that, that you could tell when they were going to go out of town for the weekend because all of a sudden by, like, Thursday, mm-hmm. they'd have multiple moms that their water just magically broke mm. at their appointment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm, convenience. <laughs> and they were all coming in to deliver. And, you know, mm-hmm. then later I was like, oh, he's out of town for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe that's why seven of his moms delivered in the last two days. <laughs> Man, you know, so, so um, so, you know, you see this aspect of control that's right. trying to happen, whereas in, you know, a more natural setting, we're just really allowing the mom's body to, mm-hmm. you know, do things when it's ready to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when the baby chooses that yeah. it's time to come versus when the doctor chooses or just suggests, hey, you're 39 weeks. You want to just be induced? Aren't you tired of being pregnant? Yeah. You know, yeah. so a lot of that um, and just. And with that comes, well, if your body's not ready, then it's not going to just go into labor on its own. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you're going to need some drugs to get that going. You know, you need that Pitocin and those contractions are really strong. And so then you end up really needing the medications that maybe you didn't want to have. And, um, you know, there's a cascade of interventions that kind of happens or can Mm -hmm. happen, you know, from there. So, So, yeah, that and then honestly just the education Mm -hmm. you know we spend so much time with our moms Mm -hmm. all of our appointments are an hour long whereas I think at the OB you probably wait more than an hour and see them for like two minutes Mm -hmm. um and which isn't necessarily their fault there's a lot of like insurance driven things that in order to make money you have to see x number of moms in a day and you can't spend an hour with you know 37 women right in a day it's just not possible yeah you know so um so their hands are tied in some ways but I can't tell you how often I'd walk into a room and ask a mom you know do you have a birth plan did you want an epidural Mm -hmm. did you want pain Mm -hmm. medicine like because I'll just leave it off the table and not ask you again if I know that's what you want and yeah 
And they would always look at me with this like deer in the headlights look and say, I don't know. I just thought my doctor was going to educate me on these things. Yeah. And it's so sad because they are so highly educated. They have so much knowledge to pass on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know I gleaned a ton from them when I was working labor and delivery, but um, the amount that gets passed on to the patient is minimal at best. Yeah. And that's someone that's asking tons of questions, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So how has that shaped your care as a midwife? If a mom wanted to work with you, what would that process look like as far as pre-baby, delivery, labor? What is like the process of care that you guys go through? Um, So we do... I hate to say we do all the same care as the OBs, but we, you know, we do the yeah. same schedule of visits. Mm-hmm. We offer all the same labs, mm-hmm. but, you know, instead of, hi, how are you? And everything good? Great. Mm-hmm. You know, your vitals look good. Here's your lab slip. We'll see you next month. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about. So this is the list of all the labs that are offered at the beginning of care. And this is why these things mm-hmm. are important. Mm-hmm. And maybe for you specifically this is why we should add like an extra thyroid panel or an iron panel or this or that you Mm -hmm. know some extra things Mm -hmm. and you know what do you think of that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and looking at all the even some of the different aspects for people well this is what part your insurance might cover so do you want to use this lab or that lab because this one's going to be cheaper for you (laughs) or right you know even just down to that nitty-gritty but you know really putting it back in their court right yeah saying this is everything that needs to be done you know, or that standardly is done. Mm-hmm. Do you think you need that? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. lots of clients that are coming in, they're paying cash, so they want to do as minimal as possible. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we can talk about those things. And mm-hmm. maybe they're, you know, they're married and they're in a very committed mm-hmm. relationship and they know they don't have gonorrhea and chlamydia and HIV. And so we don't have to add those things to their testing. Right. You know, whereas, you know, other moms are like, no, do all the things. Yeah. I want to know everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, or yeah. all the genetic screening. You know, we really just talk about that and discuss, you know, these are all the things that are done. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of those testings are done in the first trimester so mm-hmm. that you have the opportunity to terminate if mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. want to. But I don't have anyone coming to me that has that desire. So, right. um, you know, some families just opt not to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whereas... I've had a lot of moms come in that were like, oh, gosh, like, I wish I could have said no to all these things, but I just felt so pressured. Or there's constantly this, like, well, if you don't do this, your baby could die. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that (laughs) that really gets people, you know, so they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I guess they just have to do this. And it's not really something they want to do or maybe not something they want to pay for because their insurance doesn't cover it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just all kinds of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most moms in my care, the only reason they want the genetic screening is because they want to know the gender of the baby before their 20-week ultrasound. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's there's just a difference there in all the things that we talk about. Sure. Um, We focus very heavily on diet and nutrition. I love that. Because, you know, to give birth out of the hospital with a midwife, it has to be normal. Mm-hmm. It has to be between 37 and 42 weeks, mm-hmm. one baby, mm-hmm. head down, normal fluid levels, no diabetes, no high blood pressure, um, you know, no, none of the diseases of pregnancy that can occur. And so, in my opinion, the best way to combat the majority of those things is through your diet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I make sure that my moms are getting enough protein every day, that they're eating enough veggies, mm-hmm. kind of minimizing carbs and sugar, mm-hmm. sticking to berries as their fruit, because most people don't realize that 
bananas and pineapples and mangoes and melons and you know, all yep, the sweet yep. delicious fruits that are coming yes. into the shelves yes. right now that are seasonal right. are loaded with sugar and which carbs. right yeah. which might be fine for them on a normal day sure. but on a day where they are trying to grow a lean baby that's mm-hmm. not going to be giant mm-hmm. and get stuck mm-hmm. and they're trying to maintain their tissue integrity and not tear mm-hmm. um, or if they do tear I really need it to be easy to put back together. Yeah. <laughs> and when you eat a lot of sugar, it's, you know, your tissue is so fragile and it's like like a mushy today. tomato, yeah. you know, like when they're not ripe mm-hmm. and it's not crisp anymore. It's mm-hmm. like all grainy mm-hmm. and soft. Mm-hmm. I always tell everyone, if I could make a commercial, remember those, I'm dating myself a little bit, you know, those old commercials that were like, this is your brain on drugs. And they yes. would like crack an egg yeah. and like the frying pan. Yeah. I just want to take a, <laughs> a this tomato go this is your vagina on sugar <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know no. and it just it's horrible you can always tell because it blows up and you're sitting there going how does this come back together right and then when you finally kind of figure it out and you're trying to suture it and you're pulling those stitches tight they just slip right through the tissue like oh. silly putty and yeah. it's it's a hot mess so um that story in itself is usually enough of a threat to keep them away from from things but you know there's um, a very specific goal that we have and I always tell everyone you know you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. but every time you put that into your mouth you're making a choice to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. because there's a very good chance that you know when we do your labs at 28 weeks if your sugar looks terrible I'm going to have to transfer you to an OB. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, there are some workarounds in that, which, mm-hmm. you know, like I had a mom recently that, you know, her glucose test didn't go as we had hoped. And so she was able to work with a nutritionist mm-hmm. and check her blood sugars every day. And they looked really good. Mm-hmm. So she was able to go see an OB and they were able to write her a letter that says, no, this person does not have gestational diabetes. Her nice. sugars are fantastic. Yeah. Of course, she can stay in your care. That's you awesome. know, and so so there's a lot of laws that protect, um, you know, moms and midwives. Yeah. And so if we f- have something that's abnormal, we have to refer out. And then yeah. depending on the scenario, they could possibly come back into care. Yeah. Um, you know, if they are able to make things look good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I think I've heard from a lot of moms that they're big roadblock or barrier from committing to like a home birth or a birth center is just like the fear of something going wrong which is Mm -hmm. a realistic fear what kinds of safety measures do you have in place to kind of help ease those fears when talking to moms about the potential of having a home birth or a birth in a birth center so i mean we have oxygen we have iv fluids we have all the same anti-hemorrhagic drugs Mm -hmm. um, that the hospitals do we just don't like to use them. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, going back to what I just said, I feel like our biggest safety measure is your diet. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you're in control of that and, you know, your your baby's a good size and you're not anemic and, you know, like there's a lot of things that we work on, then the risks of very specific things happening, you know, go down exponentially. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have a great transfer plan with, like, at the birth center with the hospital next door. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. like, less than half a mile from us. I think it's, like, 0. Awesome. 0.2 miles or something, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, anytime we get any red flags, we just go. Mm-hmm. But um, 
ideally we don't have those things, but right. you know, we still monitor vital signs in labor. Yeah. We monitor the baby mm-hmm. and you know, and so I think sometimes there's maybe a misconception, um, that, you know, we're, we're doing things all natural. So we don't do any of those things, Yeah, you know? And like, I know when we were having a home birth with my second, my husband was very leery about it. Cause we lived an hour from the hospital Yeah, and he was so nervous Yeah, and it came, it, took a lot of conversations for me to realize that he really thought that we were having a home birth no matter what. Mm. And so the thing that I try to tell everyone, you know, is I'm not married to your home birth or birth center birth. You know, I'm not married to your out of hospital birth. Yeah. I'm married to your safety. Yeah. And if it looks like we're heading in a direction, we're gone. Mm -hmm. Even if we get to the hospital and they say, everything looks perfect. We don't know why you're here. Yeah. You know, which... I have had the scenario where things were not good and we got there and things were good and mm-hmm. they monitored for a couple hours and sent us back Yeah, because they didn't see a reason yeah. to keep us, you know? So um, it just kind of depends on the situation, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. you know, we're monitoring, like I said, vitals on mom and baby the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of the same things. It's just that not that we're animals, but we're mammals, right? Right. And so if you've ever seen an animal give birth, they go off into a dark corner somewhere mm-hmm. and you find them a few days later, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, we have babies, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's not normal to walk into a bright white space with lots of strangers mm-hmm. and have, you know, five or six different people stick their hands in your vagina mm-hmm. and like, you know, yeah. just... Like it's just normal. Right. You know, oh, yeah. hey, we're here to check you. And they just pull the covers up and yeah. start going. Yeah, There's so no, <laughs> you know, whereas most of the time I don't even do vaginal exams in labor mm. unless it's a first baby. And, right. you know, we kind of need to know what's going on because sure. that's a little bit different labor than someone who's had children before. Yeah. But um, we don't really need to do them mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And when we do, it's a conversation, Yeah, you know, of, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're in control because you don't have any idea how often, mm-hmm. you know, someone maybe has had some kind of trauma or yeah. something. And you yeah. can't just walk into someone's room and pull their covers up and stick your hands right. in there. Yeah, there's consent. You know? Um, <laughs> right, informed consent. Informed so consent. I have really cold gel on my fingers. I'm just going to mm-hmm. part your labia. You're going to mm-hmm. feel one and then two. And I'm just going to try to find your cervix and see what we feel. Yep. You're in control if you need me to stop. Tell me to stop. You know, and so it's just a whole different process. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you have a lot of those things, you know, we don't typically run into a lot of the issues, you know. Mm -hmm. I think the issues come from all the fight or flight reactions that keep happening to a mom that they don't realize maybe are happening in a hospital. And so there's, you know, there's a failure to progress sometimes or Mm -hmm. there's something. There's like all these stressors. Mm that happened in a hospital that don't necessarily need to be there. And then that's when issues start happening. Yeah. You know, we're not giving drugs that drop your blood pressure and dress out your baby. Mm -hmm. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I even heard an OB once, um, I thought this was really interesting, talk about his opinion, of course, you know, on the reason that there's more fetal distress with epidurals than there is without is Mm. because your normal hormone cascade 
produces a lot of oxytocin and a lot of endorphins Mm -hmm. right and endorphins are that like natural morphine is where the word even comes from you know that natural painkiller and when your body doesn't need to produce a natural painkiller it doesn't Mm -hmm. and so then the baby is left to be squeezed and squeezed with no hormones from the mom Mm. Right. And so like because all those things go to your baby. And so now the baby's not experiencing labor in the way that it was intended to. Right. Receiving all these different hormones and Mm -hmm. pain relievers from the mother. Right. And that can stress the baby out. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. You know, and Mm so it's like, wow, that's so interesting to think about, you know. And so like there's so many things that we just think are normal. Right. And um, because it's just what's done and there's just so much fear. In the hospital setting, yes, you know, and I have a couple of doctors at church that I work with, and or you know, excuse me, a couple of doctors that I like go to church with, and yeah, we talk about things sometimes. And they're like, "Gosh, just when you know all the things that can go wrong." I'm like, "Well, of course, if that's all you think about is all the right. things that can go wrong, but how often do things go wrong?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's very rare, yeah, and it's usually with moms that are they have some kind of high risk complication, yeah, and so that you know, that subset of women is not going to be in my care. Right, your setting. You know, yeah. so um, so there is that. You know, I've had this yeah. conversation a hundred times with nurses in their assistation when I was working L&D. They're like, don't you get scared? I'm like, not really, because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have all these issues. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't have low fluid and yeah. we're not worried about that or the baby mm-hmm. doesn't have any, you know, growth issues mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, like there's, there's no anomalies. There's mm-hmm. There's no issues. Yeah. So they're just yeah. normal and healthy. Yeah. And usually just walk in, have a baby. And yeah. Like that's it. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I really appreciate how much you advocate for your patients, how much you truly take the time to get to know what they want and what they desire and to the best of your ability, make that happen. And I feel like in our current healthcare system, that's not always the case. So yeah, I really appreciate that. Okay, so I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about what care looks like for your mom's postpartum. So do you see them a lot after baby? Is it just a couple visits? What what does that care look like? Um, So immediately postpartum, I'm with them for about three hours after they deliver. Mm -hmm. And then, and we do all the same things that they do at the hospital for mom and baby, Mm -hmm. you know, vitals and the checks and Mm -hmm. weighing the baby Mm -hmm. and all that fun Mm -hmm. stuff. We can do all the baby meds if we, if they want them. Mm -hmm. Um, But most moms don't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, usually when you're going a certain direction, it's partly because like you don't want all the things and you don't want to be pressured to do the things. Yeah. Um, And then I usually see them sometime in the first 24 to 48 hours to just, you know, kind of check in, Mm -hmm. make sure everything looks good. And then after that, usually around two, four and six weeks. But um, it just kind of depends, which I actually thought for a long time was similar to what OBs did. And Mm -hmm. then as I'm talking more and more Mm -hmm. to different OBs, I'm like, wow, you only see your moms once at four weeks and that's it. Or, you know, yeah. just to kind of check in and yeah. like, hey, how's everything? You're yeah. good. Do we need to do anything to your stitches or whatever? Right. And, you know, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, everyone has my cell phone number. So yeah. I check in probably more often, yeah. you know, with some than others because mm-hmm. they have lots of questions mm-hmm. or they need more breastfeeding help mm-hmm. or, um, you know, different things like that. And so, you know, 
we usually check if they're six week visit how they're you know body is doing do they have diastasis do they need some kind of you know referral out to Mm -hmm. someone like you (laughs) (laughs) Um, or something like that to kind of work more closely with Mm -hmm. you know really healing their body because as wonderful as it is Mm -hmm. you know Mm-hmm. birth is traumatic it's a trauma you know it's sure. it's a it's a lot of stretching mm-hmm. to muscles that don't normally yep. get yep. stretched that way right and so um there's often you know work that needs to be done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah can you share one of your favorite birth stories and why it was your favorite oh my gosh of all the ones i'm sure you have so that many that is so hard you might have to so like, pause this for a minute and come back to me <laughs> um <laughs> put you on the spot oh goodness gracious hmm like I have one that sticks out because it's probably like the craziest story (laughs) in like a good way in like a it was just wild um like they ran out of gas and we oh my <laughs> god on the side of the freeway kind of thing. And, you should share that one. You know, yeah. <laughs> but then I'm like, I have other ones that are just like it was just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you can share too. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, so I don't know that I can narrow it down to one, mm-hmm. but I had one recently that it was their fourth baby. Okay, and it was just the most beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Like, she had over and over in her, like, prenatal visits mentioned how she likes everything quiet. She doesn't want anyone talking to her. Mm. Even just being at the hospital and hearing, like, the nurses in the background talking Mm -hmm. about, like, oh, do you have this over here? You know, just, like, getting things ready or whatever Mm -hmm. in the room. Like, that Mm -hmm. bothered her. Um, And then we got into the moment and she like looked at me wide-eyed I need coaching I need help (laughs) you know and I was like oh I didn't think I was gonna have to say anything yeah I say (laughs) and I just immediately knew I just looked at her husband and said why don't you just pray Mm. you know and so he just said a really beautiful prayer and just calmed her Mm -hmm. and in that moment you know she knew she wanted to be in the water and we things were happening fast Mm -hmm. and we hadn't like the pool was not filled yet Mm -hmm. um and it was so sweet how later she told me in that moment she felt like you know god just said to her in that piece when her husband was praying just get up and go get in the tub just go you know and so so we got her up the water was it was not high enough you know you really want it to be a certain level so that it's safe so that the baby stays underwater while they're being born and then can come up yeah right um because you can't really have their head come up and then go back down so um I was like a hair nervous about it but Mm -hmm. also just had that peace that Mm -hmm. it was going to be fine and it filled up quickly and you know she gave a push Mm -hmm. and um the head came out and then the baby was born and it was so cute because we had kind of talked about the dad catching yeah and she was holding on to his hands mm-hmm. to help give her some leverage to yeah. push yeah and so as the baby was kind of floating out I looked at him and he gave me the look and I knew <laughs> I was the one catching yeah I can't let go <laughs> you know which we talked about later our nonverbal communication yes. that yes. was all happening in the moment yes um and so we because I thought he was going to catch, I actually was holding the camera to film. Okay. And so I had to set it down quickly mm-hmm. and, you know, 
assist them and bring the baby up. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually a really beautiful video because while it's just the floor, yeah, (laughs) it, you can hear it all. And just her like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Oh, this is amazing. Just like all the things I, I wish I could have taped their whole three hour postpartum because it just, every minute of it was a new, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Even when I check the baby's oxygen, you know, with my little mm-hmm. machine and it turns on and it beeps, they're like, oh, this is the first beeping we've heard the whole time. Like we didn't even realize we were missing that, oh you know, word. and just, just all the little things that yeah. they were so used to in their previous three births mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. um, they got to like complete their family in this way yeah. that was just so perfect and so beautiful for them. Yeah. That awesome. was just really neat. It was yeah. just so sweet. That so, so beautiful. um, my wildest story, on the other hand, is one that happened when I was a student, and um, it was a second baby, mm-hmm. and she came to a prenatal appointment and had been kind of having some light contractions mm-hmm. throughout the day mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe were Braxton Hicks, maybe were things getting started, mm-hmm. and so they didn't live close by, and so we mentioned to the dad, hey, make sure that there's gas in the car. Mm-hmm. Just in case. Yeah. So sure enough, she went into labor that night and they called. Um, They were with the midwife on the phone and we were there at the birth center waiting for them and filling the pool. And, you know, she's moaning and groaning in the car. And all of a sudden she lost it and just was like she was so upset. Yeah. And we thought like she was having the baby. Yeah. (laughs) Like in the car. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, the midwife's trying to coach her through it. And, um, Come to find out, no, they had just run out of gas. Oh, my word. <laughs> that so is so stressful. They were about two exits away, and um, the birth center is in Arcadia. So okay. we drove up to, um, forgive me, I don't remember the street name, but it was right where the Rose Bowl is at. Okay. And so, you know, we're going to get off, mm-hmm. and there's flares across the exit oh. in a cop car. And we're, you know, it's like an area where we can't go to the next exit and turn around because there's lots of one ways. And, you know, um, so they were like up and across the the overpass, I guess Mm -hmm. you would say, like where the exit was on the other side, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this point, like we could see all the flashing lights because someone had seen them on the side of the road and like called 911 for her. Yes. And we're sitting there like, what do we do? So we just drove right over the flares mm-hmm. and pulled up to the cop car, <laughs> and he was furious oh, I'm sure. that we were trying to get off the freeway right there, and we're trying to explain the situation. Yeah. So apparently the Rose Bowl had just let out um, a completely sold out soccer game between two Latin American countries. I don't remember oh, which ones. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so that entire street up there where we would be getting off and turning left mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. to them was filled with what does that place hold? Like 80,000 people, people or something crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so he let us go oh, very unhappily. Yeah. And we creeped along like we were in a parade. Yeah. Everyone's banging yeah. on our cars and throwing their sombreros at us and shaking their, oh, my <laughs> all their little maracas and everything. Yeah. And oh, it was hilarious. You know, they're all excited about their game and we're just trying to like I weave our way through these people <laughs> and get over to her. And um, we were in a Mini Cooper mm. and the this couple is, you know, they're like 
big like he could be a football player kind mm-hmm. of people you know mm-hmm. like not overweight by any means but they're just like good solid sized mm-hmm. people they mm-hmm. were not tiny petite people and yeah. so we like pulled up and all the firemen look over and are like you're getting in that <laughs> that's the tiny thing because she did not want to go with yeah, them of course yeah. so we got her in the car and he was able to get some gas and follow us oh, and um we made it to the birth center wow but it was heart rate pick up a little bit oh yeah My gosh yeah absolutely wow. and then of course the freeway traffic was yeah. horrific because of the game yeah. letting out all the things all the things time. it was so so crazy yeah um yeah i just i just sat there like praying in the yes. back I was like lord please like moses trying to part the red sea yeah. like part the cars part these people <laughs> oh my word that is wild oh so yes that was probably like the most my heart is racing what is happening yeah this is, yeah this is like a made for tv moment yes yes this is real life <laughs> you can't make this up no um yeah Okay, well, we're about out of time, but I just wanted to ask you to share for the moms listening if you have any, like, helpful tips for them if they're torn about whether to pursue going with a midwife or to go with an OB, what would you say to them? What would you just have them think about? What would you feel like would be helpful for them to know? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, you definitely have to do what you feel safe with Mm -hmm. because I have had moms try to come into care that, they really never envisioned this, but it was actually something that the dad mm. really thought was important. Mm-hmm. And they end up transferring at some point yeah. because they know it's in like their heart of hearts. It's not for them. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you have to do what you feel safest with, mm-hmm. but I think there's also, you know, if it's something that you want to do, but there's just that little bit of like, oh, but what if something goes wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, it's something could go wrong in the hospital too, right. you know, um, there's just so many things that we do to try to, you know, try our best to make sure that some of those things don't happen. Mm-hmm. But I think really it just comes down to like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you want the plan that you have envisioned in your mind to happen, it's probably not going to happen in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's just not. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's also just because the way it is. Right. They have mm-hmm. policies and protocols mm-hmm. and things that they have to follow. Right. And it's just, you know, it's just not going to look the way that you want it to. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. function as a doula sometimes for clients who really want to be at the hospital. And mm-hmm. every time they're like, wow, I really thought I communicated better with my doctor. Yeah. I really thought they said I didn't have to have blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And why did they order it? And I'm like, it's standing orders it just is what it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so there's just that element I think if you really like have this vision of you know all these peaceful birth stories that you've been watching Mm -hmm. on YouTube Mm -hmm. and all these things like those aren't happening in hospitals you know and so if your vision is something and you don't want to be disappointed I would really look into like pursuing a midwife because you know that's where you're going to get what you want you know, if all you're looking for is like an epidural and a nap and like a vacation right. from yeah. your other three kids, yeah. <laughs> like for yeah. two days and people to come feed you uh-huh. and all of that stuff, then by all means, go to the hospital. Yes. But if you really want to be in control mm-hmm. and have things, you know, completely your way yes. without any questions asked, mm-hmm. then, you know, the hospital is not the place for that. Yeah. Okay. So good. 
Well, thank you so much for just joining me today and sharing your story, sharing all of the helpful things. Um, I, I learned a lot. I hope our listeners learned a lot too. And um, how can moms find you if they want to reach you, if they want to get in touch? Um, well, I'm on Yelp and I'm on Google um, under Charisma Midwifery. Okay. And um, my phone number or email are easy. My phone number is 949-202-6433. Okay. And my email is charismabirth at gmail.com. Perfect. Those are kind of the best ways to just reach out and find me. Perfect. And we can put those in the show notes too. But thank you again, Janelle, so much for coming in today. Really appreciate it. And, yeah. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, it was so fun. Um, for our listeners, thanks for tuning in for this episode of Project Pelvic Health. And we'll see you next time.